Episode 29 of the Poison. Oh, brother. Let me try that again. <laughs> keep it, keep it. The poise. <laughs> the poise. The poison cuss. Um no, when I think of poise, I think of like my grandmother with her incontinence bag. Yeah, I, I don't know how much poise keep we have. Keep this whole part for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 29 of the Coys Are Us podcast. I guess we'll keep it because Ben because Ben said so. Ben's here, Kim's here, Where's Joel's what, here. Um we are coming off of a loss at City. And a win, a rare win and a rare clean sheet at Craven Cottage earlier today. By the time you hear this, it will have been yesterday. Um, these last two games have been weird. Um, the, we came into last week's podcast. Everybody was down. It was the doom and gloom um, commiseration pod for the most part. Um, and this week was different in that we scored early and didn't score in the second half in both games. Um, two against City to have a 2-0 halftime lead, which we effectively squandered um, in dramatic fashion in the second half. Um, <laughs> and then a 1-0 lead versus Fulham that we actually held on to. So um, maybe we'll start with the Fulham game since it's it's fresh in our minds, uh, which I thought was kind of a boring, sluggish, uh, knockdown, dragout game. Um, but we won. We, we kept a clean sheet. We We maintained the lead. Ben, what were your takeaways from uh, the Fulham away match? Uh, <clears throat> pretty much what you just said. It was pretty boring, pretty uneventful. Um, I was glad to see Kane get on the sheet, obviously. He had a good chance to score that second as well. Um, it felt, again, kind of more like a Jose game, which I just feel like we're yeah. getting more and more into. But this one in particular, because like you said, we scored in the first half. It wasn't an early goal. I mean, it was like, what, the 44? 45 plus 40. one. Yeah, so I mean, it was... Yeah. I, it was good to see that go in. We, we started getting a little bit of control for the, the last 10, 15 minutes of the, the first half. But man, that first 30 minutes or so was dire. Um, we just couldn't hold on to the ball, looked bereft of ideas. Um, it's just it's just not fun to watch, to be honest. I'm glad that we pulled through with a clean sheet and obviously the win. It, it in the end, it doesn't really matter at the end of the season. If we do turn things around, you're you're not going to think back on that game as, a, oh, man, that was so boring. We got the points. That's all that matters going forward. But it doesn't doesn't build confidence in the – hopefully it doesn't the players if they can get on a little little roll here. Um, and it, it would build a little bit of confidence in, in the fan base to just see our defense play like that a little bit more, like less air prone, although there were still some, some weird ones in there. But uh, – it doesn't build that much confidence in the fan base to feel like you're holding on, you know, white knuckle at the end of every game because you can't control the ball possession wise. And you're always worried that the mistake is going to have uh, individual mistake is going to happen on defense. I'd just like to see us put these games to bed a little bit, score second, score third. Um, and the main thing is again, like just maintain possession because possession can be some of your best defense late in games. It's just not letting the other team don't defend deep the whole time and, and just wait for that potential deflection or whatever else could happen. So it's, it's like I said, it's not exactly encouraging going forward, but I'm still happy with the result. Yeah. I think Newcastle is really good at that. Um, I mean, some might call them time wasting FC, um, but that's, you know, got them sitting fourth in the table right now when they get a lead, they know how to hold on to the ball and drain the clock. Uh, there is, I guess, a skill to that. We saw that, in the match where we played them earlier this year in October. Where yeah, it's like up. having ground game in the NFL, just as a, you know, just yep. like being able to kill that clock. And, and we, we don't have that ability. And it reminds me of kind of, a, of the red nap days too, just because I yeah. felt like there were a lot of, a lot of, uh, was it Sir Alec Ferguson? I think with the squeaky bum time, right? Where yeah. There, there, there's, there's a little dark arts that you can do in terms of playing the corner flag yeah. or staying down a little bit longer after a foul or, you know, looking like you're going to throw in a, 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 a throw in and then you pass it off to your teammate just to drain an extra 20 right. seconds, like little things like that, um, that I think we did a decent job of today. But I think to your point, just like being able to hold on to the ball for like the last two or three minutes of the game instead of having to defend one more. That's time. where I would think we would want to play a three man midfield. If any time at all. To well, he did. And he we did. did. Yeah, but we, it, wasn't, yeah, it was the last five minutes or so. Yeah. You should be doing that. And, 
unless if you're going to play a deep lock or defend deep for that long, I feel like you want to do it at least in possession. If and I know that that's kind of counterintuitive, but you want to play so that you have players that can defend deep. And then when we get on offense, that can retain possession more so than necessarily attacking. I mean, I get that you still want to have a counter in play. Um, and you would think that Sun would not have been a sub at that point for that reason, just because if you're going to play completely deep and only counter, he's one of the best weapons on the field for that. But I don't know. I know that we don't have a ton of options substitution wise, but it just seems like we're also making kind of weird subs that just don't make sense for the style that we're playing at that point in the game. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get back to subs in a minute. Um, we kept a clean sheet, though, and. There were no Hugo Lloris errors to, to discuss today, which is nice. Kim, what he did you think though, of? Just sorry, but the very first shot at him you was know, right at him, and he palmed it right out into the middle. Ball, I mean, he, ball, he pounced ball. on it, but still, that could have been a goal. Yeah. Not not to yeah, uh, always disparage Hugo, but Goodness I was worried gracious. about that one for a minute. Um, Kim, what did you think of the defensive effort today? Um, for the most part, I felt like defensively guys were in the right place. There were less moments that I felt like we just gave the ball up cheaply. I mean, there were times and and I feel like I want to, the things I want to hark on more are more offensive, honestly, than defensive. Like there weren't too many chances, um, for Fulham to hurt us and I feel like occasionally like guys would get beat but someone else was in the right place and so it wasn't it wasn't like one person's individual error led to any goals today and I feel like that's the difference it's like if if mistakes happen they happen far enough outside the box for it to be a problem um I feel like there were enough people back on most cases to make it hard for Fulham to do things on occasion, I did feel like we let crosses get into the box. Um, like Emerson got skinned early in the game, but I don't think like defensively we had too much of a problem with Fulham. Um, and they're a team that, I mean, over the course of like 19 games have maybe scored like 30 goals. So they're not like the most savvy offensive team, but they'll get a goal. They'll get a goal from like working hard, but I feel like where we could have, done better was honestly on the offensive side I feel like there are moments where Kane missed people on um or like breaking for corner I mean breaking for um when we were breaking or on the break honestly Kane missed a couple people Kulisevsky had moments where he was on the edge of the box putting in crosses and they were overhit so I feel like we sort of just like we won this game but there are margins where we've seen our guys be sharper and things go better. And so I feel like in, in this game, it wasn't so much that I thought we were ever going to lose, but I thought there were things that we could have done that could have made us like run away with this game, honestly. So to yeah, me, that was the issue. That. Like, like, like we played well all across the board, but if we were like clicking offensively, like this is like a three or four nil win. And I, I could see that happening. But does anybody know what the expected goal on that was actually? The I didn't even check that. But on what the game? On the game, yeah. Just what the the expected goal, goal total was. Um, I'm looking at FopMob, which is my app of choice, and it's showing Fulham with an XG of 1.18 and Spurs with an XG of 0.90. So we didn't have that yeah. many chances, but I I I what I did feel like was five shots on goal for them and people, three for us. People just weren't like hitting like we were giving up cheap passes like Benzinger had a few moments where he was just passing the ball to the defense um Kulosevsky had a few chances where he could cross the ball into a dangerous area and they just were not on target Kane missed people you know on the counter attack and I just feel like that kind of stuff yeah you won't if these are little in, things that you, you won't see yeah. it in xg you won't see it in the goals but like right. if we were just a little sharper like we, we know what it looks like when we, I, we we know what it looks like when this team is sharp and can and make those incisive passes and those those passes are on target like we we know what it looks like when this team truly hits on the counterattack and when they don't it looks like this so yeah, i think like, those are also things that like in a game like today's 
it maybe doesn't feel as problematic, but when you're playing against a bigger opponent opponent where you're maybe not going to get as many chances, um, those missed passes or those uh, missed opportunities stand out a lot more. Um, yeah. I will say like for me, I don't really worry about our offense for the most part, part we have proven to be able to find a goal or two in most games. Um, I think it was, this was more about us being able to keep the clean sheet. Um, I definitely feel like after the implosion against city, which we'll get to in a second, the focus for the past three days or so was almost certainly around defense. Um, it did seem like guys were a little bit more keyed in um, just in terms of the defensive shape. They were pretty tight back there, which I haven't seen in a while, especially not for a full 90 minutes. Um, guys were talking on defense a lot more. So it did feel like that was a focus area that Conte was like, yeah, we, we get, we got to stop doing this. And once that first goal went in and then we're coming out of halftime, I think, the city game was probably in the back of guys' minds of like, we can't continue to concede cheaply. Um, obviously, they don't have Riyad Mahrez and Erling Haaland, but still, they do have the third leading scorer in the Premier League playing as their number nine. So, like, they could have scored. Um, Hugo had five saves today. So, like, it wasn't like they didn't have their chances. Um, and I think on a different day, we might have had a different result, but we didn't. I don't think there were any that I can think of glaring um, defensive errors, at least not any that led to goals, which is nice. So, you know, it, I, I don't know how much I'm taking away from this game in the grand scheme of things. Um, the away crowd was amazing, again, as they always are. Um, it does seem intentional from what I could hear on the TV that they're still singing Conte's name and still singing We Want Enoch Out. So I, I I do feel like there is uh, some intention behind that. But, I mean, for the guys to have that support on the road, I know we always refer back to the Knicks since three of the four of us are Knicks fans. But <laughs> it does. I was thinking about that. I was watching the game. I'm like, man, this reminds me of the Knicks. Like, they play better on the road than they do at home. Um, mm. And so, like, there does seem to be a little bit more consistency. Ob obviously you know, we'll get to city. Like I said, there were mistakes, a lot of bad mistakes in that second half, but we started the game really brightly. And I feel like we don't ever see that when they play in Tottenham. Um, obviously the highlight of today's game is Kane getting his goal to tie Jimmy Greaves atop the record for most goals in Tottenham Hotspur history. Which we knew he was gonna do, you know. He only, <laughs> eventually, yeah. I mean, he happen. he didn't score the last two games, so we knew it was coming. Um, the next goal is gonna be him at and number one alone to break Jimmy Greaves' record. The worst though is you know how like a bunch of baseball this happens where somebody's about to tie a record and then they just can't hit a home run for two weeks straight, and it's all everybody ever talks <laughs> about. Like I, I'm glad that he at least I, hopefully the next goal will come quickly. I hope he doesn't go in some kind of weird little, you know, little. Uh, well, it'll probably come and... against Preston because I'm sure he's going to start. <laughs> if I know Conte, he's probably going to start. And, and I wouldn't even be mad about it because I feel like we need to win that game. But we'll talk about that in a second, too. If um, we still have Benny, he'd score a hat trick and celebrate it like crazy. Well, they're they're bigger than, <laughs> than Marine or whatever that was. But... <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, man, that was it was funny watching him score that goal against Chelsea and just like absolutely lose his mind um right. ha happy for him uh but it just gave it definitely gave me marine flashbacks it's pretty funny um i mean what else is there that, to say about harry uh that we haven't already said a hundred times on this podcast he's just an amazing talent well I, just to bring something up because there was news about it today is now he apparently he's open to signing a new contract which feels like weird timing with all the stuff that's been going on with you know potentially enoch out conte out the, the idea, I think, forming a lot of fans' heads at this point is a complete rebuild, like where you sell Son and Kane this summer yeah. while they still have some value and start building from scratch. It does seem like weird timing. Like, I wonder if that's his way of trying to say, no, no, we got to keep content. We got to, like, we already, we, we decided on this. You know, we have to, I don't know. It just seems odd. Like, I don't know what else he's 
I don't know. It seems odd. Yeah, it could be. It could be like, I really want to work for this coach and the board needs to find a way to keep him if they want to keep me. That's how I interpret it. Or it could be that he knows something that we don't know. Um, I mean, this is a $150 million uh, war chest. (laughs) (laughs) This club is so difficult to predict, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't I, I I also don't even know how much to believe things that I read anymore because it does feel like a little bit all over the place. We're the only team that hasn't signed anyone all window, but still there seems to be a new news story about Spurs That's, every day. It's weird that you bring that up. A couple things, and not to derail this, but one is it seems like we've been linked with fewer players than we normally are. I thought Parathachi's whole thing was lining up a million different players so that he why are we only hearing about Poro and almost nothing else? And then also, well, that's probably because he only does business in Italy and now he can't. Well, now it's just, yeah. Um, and then the the other one, and this is getting into a, a more a broader topic, so we can talk about this another time. But just to bring it up, <clears throat> the ITK culture in, in, in world football, or at least in English football, we don't have that here, right? And it seems ridiculous. It, it seems like anybody can just print whatever rumors they want just for clicks. I feel like you don't see that same level of, uh, I guess fan interest in like off-season signings. Like I remember the Red Hot Stove League and League in, uh, in the baseball being a big time period because all the managers are meeting up. So you hear a little bit of rumors there, but not close to the same thing where just journalists are making shit up completely, and you can tell it's very strange. I mean, I think you see some of that with like the NBA and the trade machine. If you're really into like NBA Twitter, yeah, but, but that's people uh, making up fake trades that they clearly say are fake. It's just this is this true. fits under the salary cap. Not we're hearing rumors of blah blah. Like that's just complete random. It's like a different well, style. I think of what it is is the reason it's a different style of reporting is that player movement is so rampant. Like in that's true. In like and it's not team based like it's players literally saying like i'm leaving right. so yeah you can't you force yourself out or you find early in a contract like, especially it's so in, much in easier to force yourself out of places right. in in football and teams move players so rapidly and so often that it's right for just random people saying random things thinking it's going to get picked up and it gets picked up and it Someone talks about it for a period of time. and then How few trades there are is kind of weird, too. But that's a strictly, I think, only American point of view because we're the only league in the world that does that. You're not allowed to just yeah. buy players. You have to give a different sort of value back, which I kind of like that idea, actually, because it helps yeah. you know against having this top-heavy stuff you see over there. Anyway, well, have, you ever, sorry. Have, you, have you ever heard of ball sack sports? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? You never heard of ball sack sports? <laughs> So ball sack no. sports is a Wait, is that with the Z? <laughs> no, it's a it's CKS. A, no, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> they are basically a troll Twitter account that tweets like fake rumors about the NBA. But they have basically like I so think they're basically they, like the son of uh NBA. Yes, NBA but Stop their it. whole thing is like <laughs> Their whole thing is like just because you read something that somebody wrote on the internet doesn't make it true. So their their whole goal is to basically show people how gullible so they're they like are. The onion. <laughs> yes, they're like the onion of sports parody. Yeah, but they have actually gotten things that they've said like reported on like ESPN because people didn't do their research. So that's crazy. Um. Yeah. Like. They were all journalism majors. They have to be, right? It is probably wanna... <laughs> like a like a the onion of sports reporting, and I right. think that's the closest thing that we probably have in American sports, um, where like people will just see something on their Twitter feed and just be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening!" And it's like, bro, you didn't even look at to <laughs> like, see who wrote it. Like they're this. literally called Ballsack Sports. It's so like, like Kyle Kyle Kuzma is a Laker again. I'm like, this is definitely not true, but. <laughs> But that's the but that's the whole point. Like the whole point is like, and they've even admitted on their page that they're a troll account, and they still get people to believe them because people don't they don't look, and it's like they don't you don't read. even people don't even read what source they're pulling information from, and I think that's a part of like the football rumor tre- uh, rumor mill. As well. But then you'll have issue. you'll have fan sites just widely quote, and what it is is they'll quote like. They won't actually quote, they'll quote the person, but they won't link to the person. And I'm like, all right, 
if this person said this, yeah, you're gonna, exactly. You're or you would, or you would retweet it. <laughs> it's just like it'll say like where it came from, but I'm like, did they actually say this thing right. that you're saying? I wonder. I wonder. You if often see them say this... like they'll be like they'll they'll change the language to fit their narrative, and then won't link to the thing. And I'm like, all right, like. The jigs. I wonder how much this stuff was impacted by social media. Like, I wonder what this was like. Like, well, you wouldn't even twenty years ago. You wouldn't even have a source to do it if it was no social media. How would you even do it? There were still online newspapers before there was that, right? So you still have like these kind of tabloidy. I mean, it's the same places you always see this happen. Whereas, uh, I I just feel like people used to be more interested in sourcing things than they are now. Like now, it's. You just say what you say and you say you source somebody. You don't actually have to link to that thing. You don't actually have to like truly say what you sourced. And you could you can say you sourced a person at this point. Well, you know and how the, a lot of people when if, they talk if about if you're someone who is I'm someone who's naturally misbelieving about most things that these fan size posts. So I like look to see who actually said it and if they right. actually said that thing and how they said it. Like I, I'm that person, but a lot of people don't do that. It's not how a lot of people go about getting their fan news. They just see a fan site re- post something and they go, oh, that has to be true. And then they yeah, start spewing not, I, about it on social media. Like, I think that's true, though, by and large of, like, all right, so some of the blogs like uh, Carla Tree Captain or some of the, the different podcasts that we listen to, usually they say stuff like, this is coming from the Telegraph or this is coming from, you know, um, Sky Sports even versus like the Sun or the, daily mirror i don't even know exactly which ones are but you can people some people do take to take into account like what's more reputable so i mean again i think this is kind of a media literacy issue where some people obviously on twitter facebook social media like you said there's no need to cite anything ever because they're not even journalists even even you know actual journalists i feel like probably overstep that balance but some of this stuff that's not even coming from any journalist at all and it just like you were saying where they will just send the headline of something without the content or just sending the content of one newspaper with no corroboration from anybody else. That's obviously, I think, I think also just to like kind of bring it back to Tottenham for clicks though. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I feel like, I feel like with a team like ours, like some of those sites and, and accounts can thrive more than maybe like, a Chelsea troll account because they're like actually signing players. <laughs> Whereas like we aren't. They found the perfect team to do that for where the fans are just so people need, people are like they're you know they're like here for the you know like the if, news. You, if I cre- if I create a rumor about a Chelsea signing they're gonna know within a couple of days that it's not true because they've signed our so wait wait I like I like this premise though so if we're gonna rank all teams by which fan base is the most gullible because they're the most needy <laughs> I mean we're top four easy right I mean if we can get a trophy on that finally a top four race will win yeah um all right we've we've put it off long yeah. enough we we gotta all get right, to uh go. we gotta get to that city match um Ugh. which was just so I don't want to say Spursy because I'm trying to get away from saying that word, but goodness gracious. I mean, once that first goal for City went in within, I don't even know how quickly they scored after the second half started. They scored in the 51st minute and then scored again in the 53rd. And at that point, you're like, okay, um, we're probably going to lose this game. Yeah, how many? How many? Yeah, I mean, the only way we – because even like – watching the game and seeing us with a two goal lead. It's like, Whoa, that's surprising. Especially with Emerson Royale getting a, a, a header on target. Um, and he actually had a shot on goal today against Fulham. That was not a terrible shot. Either. I'm going to say like Emerson, pretty, the last two games, he has played well. He was he playing has, like in the middle of the pitch played well at certain points like, today. I was like, today, who is this guy? I, I'll go, I'll go back to the Fulham match. And I said, I was going to talk about this is, that goal that Kane scores does not happen if Emerson Royale decides to pass that ball back to Hugo. We've seen on so many like corners or free kicks where the ball will come out to that person and they just knock it straight back to Hugo. But he actually like beats his man. Like if someone comes for the ball, he passes it and he tries to move it along and then he passes the ball. And if that doesn't happen, 
It's the kind of he thing played, that we do all the time. He played a one-two on the left side with Parasich. We had both of our like, wingbacks. He was the, like, he was, was actually throughout this game. Like, I I saw moments where I was like, Emerson is actually making stuff happen. He was consistently. Yeah, um, like he played. He actually. We're gonna wait for more sample see, size before officially when you saying see he's the, turning the When you here, see the, yeah. it was hilarious when you saw the the when they did the player of the match. You're like, who was the player of the match? Emerson Royale's face was the one they put up. So. The social media team knows that he was also playing well. Wait, yeah. who did they actually give man a match though? I'm sure it was Kane. I don't know if they've actually done it, but it was the question on who should be man of the match. And Emerson Royale's face was the one they put up there. That would be hilarious if Emerson Royale. He played match. well today, I thought. Um, he was he was pretty uh, bright going forward, and I felt like he played with a so. lot of confidence that I've not seen from him in a, in a year and a half. So it was uh, interesting to see, yep. uh, to be like, honest, like even- Ben said. It's going to be, you know, we're, we're, it's too early to say that. Touch and go. Touch and yet. go. We, we well, just to, to be honest, to give him some credit, though, for how, how resilient he's been. Because, man, he's gotten – all right, I don't love him, obviously, in this position, but he's gotten so much, like, unfairly maligned by the fan base more than – is is the Musa Sissoko. That's the last version I could think of it was like that, where, like, people just picked hmm, on him I, so much. I wonder what he, those two players have in common, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. I'll, uh, I'll I'll let the listeners decide. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave that one alone. But, yeah. Um, they, were, they they played some some right wing back out of position. Um, <laughs> That's not what I had in mind, but maybe. Yeah, I didn't think so. But maybe it's a, maybe uh, it's no. a positional bias. Yeah, because I mean they're not. He's not French. No, he's not, can't think of anything else. No. Um, yeah. No, I just feel like obviously I understand people's frustration with uh with Emerson, but. Come on, man. Like, dude, just trying hard as hell. And like I said, I'm not super happy with it, but he does not deserve to get booed, you know, for and and I really it would be great if he came good and, and just developed this skill set that we didn't know he had. I don't I don't have high hopes just because his his ball delivery doesn't seem great, but obviously he's given everything he has and he's he's a he's a very solid defender. So I would just give him kudos for being for being able to shrug that all that negativity off. Cause I feel like that would be tough to have 60,000 people booing you when you're not doing anything wrong, you know, no. just not yeah. to, man, man not has supreme confidence in himself. Like the way yeah. he, some of the stuff he does, I'm like, if someone talked to me like this, I would not have this confidence, but that's what I'm know? saying. Yeah. It's, it's, still a, does. it's impressive. He I mean, I, I we we definitely have talked about it on the podcast before. I agree with you hundred percent. Like I, I don't feel like, He's done anything to deserve being booed. For me, booing a player is like, you know, in Dombele, trot, trot, it's you know, effort, yeah. not walking off the pitch when we're down a goal, you know, or, or, you know, when, ja- when Granit Xhaka was at Arsenal and he like throws his captain's band on, on the pitch, like stuff like that. Yes, the fans should absolutely boo you. If you're doing something that's disrespectful to the club, if you're not showing any effort, like you said, neither of those apply to Emerson and he shouldn't be booed. Um, I think speaking of booing your team, after we had that 2-0 lead at halftime, the City fans started booing, which a lot of people had things to say about that. Like, you're one of the most accomplished clubs in England over the past five to six years. Also, you had a rough 45 minutes. Yeah, you had a rough 45 minutes and you boo the team, um, which was like odd but i maybe maybe they were just really pissed to see emerson royale score i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> but um, i mean like, other other than I the mean, defense... honestly city that the goals that they gave us were very very cheap like insanely cheap especially the first one i mean it was literally almost giving us a goal but the now, second now, one all right was now, like roger now... roger got like sat down like Kane basically was on the ground and still got up and got the ball before he did. Like it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. All right. Now do their goals. How many of those were cheaply given? I mean, they were all cheap. All I'm saying is they're, they, they were cheap at home. So they have more fans to be mad about it. Yeah. I don't know how much else to say about that game. Like it, it, we lost to a better team, but I think, I feel like the way that we lost was worse than the actual results. If you had told me like, oh, you're gonna lose to City four two, I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. At least it's a lot of goals. But like four goals, back to back to back to back. <laughs> it's just like yeah. you gave and up four goals in forty five minutes, man. 
Um, it wasn't even 45 minutes. We gave up four goals in about. Well, no, it was because the last 30. goal came at came uh-huh. at the 90th minute. So um, when at the first first goal, I just kind of shrugged like, oh, you know, minute. it's not a, not a bad spot to start in. But when we got the second one, I was like, we might actually do this thing. And then he said, as soon as they scored two consecutive goals, like 10 minutes after halftime, I was like, oh, no, uh, how many is this going to end up being? Like, how bad is this going to yeah. be? Because that's I a was... team that once they start bagging a few, right. they're going to bag more. Like, that's just the way it, we saw it at the at the um in, in, in week 38 last year when they um had Wait, that comeback to win the title. It's like. Once they start feeling like, oh, we can score, they're just going to keep scoring because they once they realize that you can't stop them, then it's like, oh, we're not going to sit back. Pep's never going to sit back on a lead. He's just going to try to pile on more. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, Morris has it in him to uh, to go nuts like that. I mean, he was brilliant. I'm not going to take yeah. anything away from him. He he was he was yeah. pretty. Dangerous. He did that to us when he was on Leicester, too. I feel like he's been a little bit of a, a bogey player. For us, he just hasn't featured that much of City. Well, let me ask you guys this. Now, with the win against Fulham, we're now three points out of third and fourth. Um, We obviously have played a game more than Newcastle and United, who sit on 39 points. We're sitting at 36. And then the next team below us is Brighton, who has two games in hand and a uh, five-point deficit. So... Just looking at where we are a little bit past the halfway point of the season with about 17 games left to play, is top four still there for the taking? Um, Is it kind of like, it'll be nice, but we're not expecting it? Um, Where are you guys feeling about that race? Is it it done and dusted, (laughs) as they say, or... Definitely not done and dusted, but definitely there for the taking. Uh, we're going to know a lot more here in, in what, like a, a little over a week? What is it? So you is mean Tuesday? when we play City again? Well, that too. But just once the window closes, we'll see. Like, I feel like this, we talked about this before. Well, that, that is when we but, play City again. <laughs> is it the same day? Yeah. So uh, our but, next our next Premier League game is not until, this, until the window closes. And so that's going to be City at home on February 5th. I think we'll know even a lot by so I mean I don't think we're gonna I mean who knows actually so wait we this last game yeah so we're gonna be playing City at home so we do have a better shot at that but it seems like we might might kind of energize City and again to the the North London view on this is maybe it's those are the points we do want to concede but um, what I meant more so is we're gonna see I think by you know, the, the close of the window is, are we back in contact or are we potentially planning on moving on from him? Even if that doesn't happen until the summer, when we go back to poach or somebody else. But I, I think that if we don't sign at least two or three players that are pretty good in the next week, I think that that's basically implicit, like implying at least that we're not back in contact. Cause I mean, he's not going to stay, right. He's not going to sign a new contract if he doesn't feel like he's getting back. Well, but I can assure sign- you, with uh, with eight days left in the window, there's no way we're signing three players. <laughs> so I, That's what you I would think, unless, I would unless be somehow there's just no ITK too. or whatever right now. But the only player <laughs> I've really heard us be linked to is Poro. Yeah. And we seem like... I've heard Zaniolo links. Zaniolo. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's another... another but uh, I, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be as strong um, in terms of, like, I'm seeing Poro's name every day. With, to the point where I'm actually sick of seeing it, where I'm like, either sign him or don't. Like, um, I think a second signing is probably like a 30% chance of happening. Um, so if we were to sign Poro and Zaniola, though, just to just say we were, I don't think it's that likely, but you never know. Um, does that to you signal that we want to re-sign Conte, re-sign Kane, keep the, keep the, the crew together for another year or two, or... Um, maybe I think I would also want to know how much we paid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, cause I we, think we that also thing out with uh, yeah. Poro just to pay the meeting price anyway, but yeah, anyway, my point overall is that whether we stick with Conte for the rest of the year, even with the, the squad we have, I'd be a little worried just cause I feel like he might phone it in. The players might start phoning it in. I would hope not. He doesn't see, he seems a little too, um, you know, have enough ego 
basically to not do that. I don't um, know. It's it's felt like he's been phoning it in for the past couple of weeks. It kind of has, but I feel like why is our bench so thin? Why did we sign all these players, but we have no attackers coming off the bench? Yeah, I know for a while we were really hobbled, but anyway, my point is that I still think we're good enough to finish top four. The fact that we're fifth right now means that obviously you cannot say that that's out the window. I'm not saying it's likely. I don't know if I would give us what, like a 50-50 at this point, but I mean, we are still in it. As long as things don't continue to go downhill, if we could just maintain this even somehow, we might be able to, because I guess, you know, you can get some lame results. <laughs> Basically, you could have some 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 tame performances, but get good results because that's the, the sport that they're playing. But, I mean, I'll also say, you know, looking at the rest of our schedule, our last 15 games that there are you have a pretty soft schedule. We've gotten a lot of our difficult matches. Uh, City away is out. We've already played Arsenal twice. Um, we've already played United away at, at Trafford. And so like looking at the rest of our schedule, we still got to go to Anfield, which is going to be a tough one. Um, we have to play Newcastle away, which could be pot- a potentially really big game, depending on what the standings look like. We actually have Newcastle and United back to back in April. Um, so those could be huge matches for our top four, four chances, depending on where that looks. Um, and the rest uh, of the schedule. Newcastle, Newcastle, United, Liverpool. Yeah, those three games are all back to back to back. And those are and that Basically I mean that's in a space of like seven days. April that's the big, yeah, that's the big patch of the season for me. That's right there. Um, because the rest of the games all look fairly winnable, not to say that we will, but like it's it's there for the taking, so to speak. What helps us that other teams that would normally be vying for the top four, namely Liverpool, Chelsea, right? They're not doing that well. I mean, the surprise is Newcastle, and I could see them sustaining it because they've actually infused their club with cash. Brighton has done a really good job, and they just kept on from Graham Potter to uh, – I can't even think of the guy's name. Deserby. Right yeah, that guy that seems good. <laughs> I wonder if it's I wonder if it's their whole – system there that they literally just got two really good coaches in a row anyway another topic for another day but well i'll say um, this i mean when i look at the top six or seven clubs in the table right now like for me united i think united is a top four lock i i mean they they look really good right now they look pretty good yeah um and like even watching that match that they had against arsenal on the weekend i felt like those teams were pretty evenly matched. So you think like it's that was one spot up for grabs for the rest of them. Basically. Yeah, I think it's. I think that final spot. Uh, mm, if, if we're saying Arsenal, City, and United are going to finish top four, which is what I think, I, I think agree. that last spot is between Spurs, Newcastle. I think Brighton, Fulham, Brighton and and probably Liverpool because because I, I I feel like they Never will them, yeah. they will start winning games. I don't feel really good about Chelsea, and I think Chelsea is probably more focused on next season at this point. But I do see Liverpool creeping back up the standings and being in sixth before we know it. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that final spot probably has three or four teams fighting for it. And so it's really going to come down to how we all play against one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Who wins over Fulham is hopeful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Maybe this is Arsenal the- will just collapse and lose every game for the rest of the year, drop to like seventh, eighth in the table. <laughs> Maybe we'll win every single game. Leapfrog them, the win the title. Thing I've ever heard. <laughs> ultra Jesse corner there. Jesse, we miss you. That, that's what that was. Ben wanted to invoke your spirit yeah. for a second. So get to the to put it to eleven, but yeah. This is the Coisaros podcast. Um, like I said, this is episode twenty nine. You can follow us on Twitter at Coisaros Podcast. We're also on Instagram with the same handle. Um, looking ahead, we have a nice little break before there are any more Premier League matches, but there will be an FA Cup match on Saturday. Against Preston North End, which is a championship club. I believe they're sitting like 10th or 11th in their table right now. Um, And we have Troy Parrott out on loan there. But again, he will not be able to play against us. Preston is coming off of a win against Birmingham on the weekend. And they beat... I'm trying to find who they beat. Huddersfield. 
That was their uh, FA Cup draw. Hutter, yeah, they played Huddersfield. Um, I hope you didn't memorize that, Kim, right? That you were looking no, it just, up or else um, you know, follow- Shout out to I Oh, here it is. Yeah, I see. Shout out to I, I skipped right past it. Yeah, so they, yeah, they, they, I, I miss, I, I scrolled right past it because Huddersfield is also a championship team. So they, they, they beat, they beat uh, Huddersfield 3 1. Um, I mean, they're an okay team, but they're really nothing to call home about. They're not going to be in the Premier League next year. Um, because they're really not close enough to the top of the standings. Um, this is a game that we will be playing away which is always tricky um, when we play at these away grounds. It feels like we do better away against Premier League competition than we do against lower league clubs. Going into the game, I, I believe that they said during the broadcast today that Conte's plan was to start with Charleston on Saturday, so he should be getting mm-hmm. at least you know 60 or 70 minutes, um, which is going to be nice to see. I imagine he might also throw Forster in there. But it, it's unclear how many changes he's going to make. We didn't make very many changes um, in our matchup against Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup, which we lost. Um, and then even looking at the game that we had earlier in the FA Cup against... Uh, who was that? <laughs> Portsmouth. Portsmouth. <laughs> um, we also <laughs> played a pretty strong lineup. Looking at the lineup that we played against Portsmouth, Fraser Foster was in the back. We played Tanganga, Davinson Sanchez, and Ben Davis. Um, Emerson and Sessignon on the wings. Pape Sar and Ollie Skip in the middle. And then Hill, Sun, and Kane up front. So it was a nice little mix of bench guys and, and starters. I I imagine he might do. Kulisevsky was injured. Uh, Bentinker was Bentinker injured. was injured. So it's, it'll be interesting to say what he'll play when those guys are healthy. I'll just say that. But another piece of that would be that the, the game's not for until next weekend, right? And then we have a whole other week off. Oh, it's it's this Saturday. it's this upcoming Saturday. Saturday, right? But that's like yeah. I mean, they have a full week, and then after that, another full week. There's not a midweek. Yes, game yes, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, so I could see him starting the more of a, a traditional a starting eleven, yeah. just because we don't have a midweek game. It's like a it's a, a almost seven days hit. between all the games. Yeah, and eight and eight days until uh, we play City the following Sunday. So, right. Kim, are there any non traditional starters that you would expect or like to see start against Preston? Pape Mate Sar, that's the one. Yeah, I had, yep, a feeling, I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> I would have said the exact That's same the thing. One. No, like I would say in even against Arsenal, there was a couple moments where I was like, you're probably out of place. But overall, I felt like he was one of the people that acquitted himself well against that team. So like, For sure. And, and, I, and I imagine like what he, he might have looked like if we actually played a midfield three. He might have been able to assert himself even more. Who knows? Yeah, seriously. Uh, so yeah, I think he, it would be, I mean, I think it would be nice to give him another start and hopefully we get to see him play again. Yeah, that's, the other one like I wouldn't mind person. seeing, the other one I wouldn't mind seeing is seeing heel on the, on the left. So play Kulisewski. I get, I he's never, he, I'd love to see Richarlison play in the middle with, with, uh, uh, heel on the left and, and, um, Kulisewski right. right. Just, just to change that's, it up. So I you have Kane a little bit of time. Hill. No, no, no. The the thing I'll say is I know he'll um he wasn't even on the bench today because I think he picked up he picked up a knock prior to the last game. So I don't think he's yeah. available. It'll be right. I like I, I don't know. Like I think if he was available, you you probably you might see him start. Um, but I don't I don't even know if he's available. Again, I think the, the gaps between these games is gonna give uh Conte all the justification he needs to pick, if not the exact same the eleven that he used today. <laughs> Then very similar. I, I highly doubt that we'll see Richarlison starting instead of Kane. I would like to, because what other games are we going to do that for the rest of this season? I mean, we're in the knockout yeah. stage of the Champions League, Premier League, yeah. top four race. But um, like I said, it would be interesting to mix up this front three. And then I'm with you, Cam, but, and and Joel, that I would love to see uh, Sar get some more minutes and see what he can do. Because I feel like he could really I've, come up with our actual I Premier feel League like schedule. If, if Richarlison starts, it's not going to be – in Kate in place no it'd be so sunny i just because of the record i think conte is going to give kane every minute that he wants to play he's going to say play yep. so uh um, but when you think about I think like he, he, to, he probably will replace son i i think to ben's point though like 
Richarlison is more effective when he plays as a nine. Like we we've seen it with Brazil, we saw it with Everton. And so it's almost like you're putting him out there and expecting him to do the things that he does. And if you play Richarlison and away. Kane, I'm trying to think what kind of formation. Well, you'd have to play a three five two. Well, you could do that, but um, yeah. you know, I I also so feel like Kane is like a a, a, a deep drop, like a, a ten basically, and Richarlison yeah. is a nine. Like that would be. Or you could, or you could have Kulusevski play inside. I mean, Kulusevsky, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing is like he could be part of the midfield three in that scenario. If I I lost my train of thought actually. <laughs> <laughs> I Sorry. Was saying something and then I forgot. thinking about things that Conte will never do got you all. Yeah, exactly. Think about all the things that like, <laughs> Conte's too rigid to ever even think about trying to practice, let alone on a. Uh... I mean, I could also see um, Doherty starting this game. Um, I could see that. I don't. Yeah. I yeah. I don't think we need Emerson as much against a team like um, Preston. And that could also be uh, like a nice sub that you can make if we are able to actually build a lead. Maybe maybe you put in some of your more defensive players just to kind of shore the game up and make sure that we advance. Um, so I, would, I, I really I wish I, I mentioned this last week, but because we have five subs and I know we don't have a huge bench, but there's a bunch of positions where we have players that are fairly equal to each other. I wish that we would almost like just give them the idea that you're playing 45 minutes. You come off at halftime. Like you could do that to at least two players per match. Like you could you could change your midfield at halftime if if the game's going either not that well or really well. You know, just to to completely switch things up. Um, I know that that's not probably a great idea in a knockout game. Like I said, we don't really have a lot of games to practice that. But just in some of these positions, a fullback and midfield being the, the two ones where we we almost don't have a clear starter at either of those positions. Why not just put fresh legs on, at least, if not at, at halftime, earlier on in the game, rather than waiting till 10 minutes to make your first sub, or, you know, till there's, you're in the, the 65th, 70th minute, and you're making your first sub, and you don't make your last sub or two if you even use them until it's like the 89th minute. Like, I just don't understand what the point of that is. I know there's some time-wasting uh, strategy there, but why not use your subs for fresh legs for real? Well, there's a lot of things that Conte does that we don't quite understand. Um, He's a lot more decorated of a manager than I am. So, you know. (laughs) Right. Well, he's got to do it at Spurs for it to mean anything for us. So, I mean, it's nice to see that he's won so many other places. But if he's not able to at least pull off this FA Cup, then I guess it doesn't really matter. Then he's just, you know, the coach that got us that top four. We'll, We'll always thank him for that. But it's not really the same in the grand scheme of things before we wrap things up though we've we've got to submit our predictions for preston and i will say i was very nervous towards the end of this game that my prediction of a 1-1 draw against fulham was going to come correct and i was really hoping that we would hold on which we did my reverse jinx worked really well though <laughs> yeah we did not lose 4-1 and that's true i mean i had a i guess i had a reverse jinx too i said we we're gonna lose 2-1 and we didn't <laughs> lose so Maybe I, I think I'm gonna try to keep this hot streak up. No, but I can't. I can't predict a loss against Preston. Yeah, no, it's, that's a tough one. I just one. can't. <laughs> I just can't. I'm gonna go two nil Spurs. Um, you know, oh, this is. I just remembered what I was gonna say when I forgot it. With the whole thing with Kane breaking Greaves's record, I have no doubt that if he plays 75 minutes against Preston North End, he'll be able to score a goal. Like I'm not worried about that. Um. I think it would be more special to have him do it in the Premier League. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I in the in the grand scheme of things, like I said, it doesn't really matter. But I'm with Ben. I would much rather rest him and have him ready to play City um, and Leicester, and just like give him the rest that he's probably not going to get a chance to get for the rest of the season. So if he scores the goal, I'll be happy. I'll celebrate him like all the other Spurs fans will. But um, I would be perfectly fine with seeing Richarlison starting and, and Kane on the sideline with a jacket on. So anyway, I'm going to nil Spurs. Uh, yeah, so I, <clears throat> I'm with Kimmy here. I can't go so reverse jinxy that I can actually pick a loss for us. But I can go back to our nihilist Spurs where we're going to draw 1-1 and that's going to go to penalties. <laughs> Wait, no, no, this is a replay. It'll be a replay. 
So oh, just no. to give us God, Ben, a, don't a do this to me. Ex- all right, all right. Um, <laughs> no, I will do. I'll do two ones first. I, th- I think we've. I think we've got enough to beat Preston. I should I hope, hope so. so. Um, we we squeaked it out against Portsmouth. Actually, I'm going to change that to three one just for fun. Let's make it a little saucy, you know. All right, all right. Yeah. I. I'm going to also go to nil Spurs. Preston is not the, the high score. They have 26 goals in 28 matches. So they score less than one goal a match, and that's against championship competition. So I would assume that we'd probably see the clean sheet. And Those championship defenses don't screw around, though, man. I mean, they, they <laughs> don't. don't leg, for, for, for what it's worth. Um, but no, I point noted still. Um. But so I yeah I think we probably will score about two goals, and like you said I hope we, I hope Kane does stay on the bench, but it's very rare that we see him on the bench. So until I see it, I won't believe it. Yeah, I would say it's like point zero 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 one percent chance that Kane doesn't start. It's like I really hope time. I really do hope that Richarlison gets the start at number nine. That would you know warm my heart. If it was a mid-match, I would say it's like a 5% chance. But the fact that, again, if we have it's a it's a, a week on either side, I just I can't see it happening. I will say in Conte's defense, in that match against Portsmouth, we didn't really seem to have anything going, and it took a brilliant strike from Harry Kane to advance us to the next round. So I will be curious to see, number one, I, I mean, I do think he is going to start. But if he didn't, it would be curious to see where the goals would come from because it does feel like we are leaning very heavily on him to score goals right now. Um, Be all Emerson all day. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the perfect place yeah. to end the podcast. Uh, all right, Emerson. Let's let's see, a, let's see let's see let's see a goal <laughs> against Preston. Let's do it, baby. You're on a roll. Come on, you Come Spurs. On you Emerson. <laughs>